episode number 307, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., season 6, episode 9, Collision Course, part 2. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome back to Welcome to Level 7. My name is Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here to be your guide through the world of the MCU, which U stands for universe, so maybe I'm your guide through the universe of the MCU, or maybe it's just world in that less literal, more metaphorical sense. None of that matters. Um, I'm just uh, here because I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe specifically. I really, really love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and this season, I've been really enjoying it. Um, it's the flagship for us. It's the thing. It's the reason why we started this podcast in the first place. And yes, it is a little bittersweet that they have announced the end of the show is happening at the end of season seven. Bitter because it means, well, uh, who knows what it means as far as uh, what's happening with, with, you know, Clark Gregg and, um, well, we Brett Ward done, but you know, Ming-Na, just who knows what it means for our cast. Are we going to see them somewhere else? Uh, I have a theory of a possibility uh, that may or may not happen, more likely not than happening, but I'll talk about that later in this episode. But anyway, um, this is a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I'm here to talk alone about the most recent episode well, I guess it's not the most recent episode because we're behind. The most recent episode that I've seen of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, yeah, so strap in. It's going to be a, a fun ride, I I think, um, as far as the episode goes. Like, th- this was a fun episode. That's that's what I mean. I, maybe listening to me uh, ramble by myself early in the morning is not going to be the most exciting thing. But I'd like to think it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, come on. Uh, the reason I'm doing this alone again uh i'm not going to bore you with all the details of you know dying computers and terrible uh uh, internet connections and uh scheduling difficulties and and different things like that i'm not going to bore you with all the details of that but there you just got the generalities of it so that is why i am back in the saddle again alone and we will be getting uh, the team back together soon hopefully um, hopefully we'll have a, a scene like we had in this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where we all get together, have that party, you know, and and just hang out and take selfies and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, so Collision Course Part 2. Collision Course Part 2 is the second part of a two-part series that, yeah, you definitely could have put these uh, two episodes just side by side, play them back to back. It did feel like they were cutting something in half. What was interesting to me about this episode, though, is that we have an episode that feels like three different kinds of episode. And what I mean by that is uh, Collision Course Part 1 kind of felt like it could have been a season cliffhanger. You know, you have all these people headed toward this singular goal. You have a bomb in one place. You have a bad guy in another place uh, who is has taken over, you know, the the good guy's uh, stuff and then you have 
another bad guy in another place that has two of our main cast, you know, kind of captive. And yeah, that could have been a season cliffhanger. As a result of that, Collision Course Part 2 really feels like it could be the the season opener. Um, Now, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. usually has not ended with a cliffhanger at the end of the season. Usually they've wrapped up everything in that season, and then they'll have a tag scene or something that will set up what's happening next. And, And I've appreciated that. I've appreciated the fact that, unlike some shows, when they get to the end of the season, you have a, a pretty solid feeling for the ending. Uh, I'm going to talk about in the post-credit uh, series that did not do this well, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. definitely does this well. So anyway, all that to say that, you know, Collision Course Part 1 did not feel like a Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season cliffhanger, but it definitely felt like it could have been a season cliffhanger for another show that was just going to be like, we're going to end and we're going to bring you all, you know, talking about this. Uh, you know, starting next generation, Will Riker says fire and cut to horns, cut to to be continued. And then we're waiting all summer and we are really, really, really curious what's going to happen. What's going to happen. That's the kind of cliffhanger part one could have been. And therefore, part two kind of feels like it could be a season opener, you know, f- wrapping up that season cliffhanger from, you know, the end of the beginning of the summer. Uh, and and now it's it's the fall season and we're we're coming into that season opener, and so it feels like that until you get to the very end of this episode and suddenly it this now feels like a season cliffhanger, <laughs> and so um, the end of the episode where everything is resolved we actually have a fifth act where there's really nothing about the climactic action this is all um, resolution that's happening in, in Act Five now. And and then you have May walk into the cell where Sarge is and just unload her gun into him. That's a cliffhanger, you know, and, and that's, again, Will Riker saying fire. <laughs> so that feels like a season cliffhanger until you realize that there are four episodes still left in the season. Now, the reason I say this feels like a season cliffhanger or a season opener is that they kind of resolve everything in this episode i mean this episode could be the end of agents of shield if they wanted it to be they don't because there's still four episodes left in the season but it could be all the problems are resolved like the the shrike are dead the tower is not exploded by the bomb and therefore the bomb does not kill thousands of people mac is back in charge uh we have jacko doing a suicide kill of all the bad guys on the spaceship so izel and her people and then you have Mac and Yo-Yo together again, and you have everyone have a reunion and a party, which feels like a series ender, uh, a season ender or a series ender. And then you have Sarge dead and Izel dead and all the things that are part of the rising action. Uh, it just everything keeps moving forward, moving forward, moving forward in this season. It feels like we are coming to the end of the season because everything pushed forward into this episode into what feels like could be resolution until we get to the end with a cliffhanger. And so what's, I mean, what's even left to deal with? Well, obviously what's left to deal with is the mystery of Sarge and who he is. I mean, they didn't have, well, they had some kind of revelations happening in this episode, but we don't know the details we don't know who he is yet 
So as I'm watching this episode, I'm feeling like, oh man, and I, I'm kind of losing track where we are in the season. I was wondering, is this, is this actually like the end of the season? No, this can't be the end of the season. There's gotta be, I think there's one more episode, at least one more episode. And then, you know, realize, okay, so there's more than one more episode. There's four more. And so when May steps into the cell and shoots Sarge, that's the moment for me where it all unraveled, where I'm like, oh, they are, the, when I say all unravel, I mean the resolution that we have kind of felt in this episode unravels um, because, because Sarge's mystery is unsolved and he will not, he cannot be dead. <laughs> um, he, he can't be dead for the re revelations of his mystery. I mean, they're not going to reveal his mystery after his own death when it's his own mystery. I can't imagine that being satisfying. So he, he can't be dead. And Izel is such a huge part of his mystery that I can't help but think she's not dead either. Um, although I could see this uh, this season, you know, continuing forward where, yes, Izel was built up to be this big bad, but I could see a situation where uh, Sarge becomes, you know, even bigger, uh, and and uh, so she's coming in and there's this threat, and he's he's built up into this, this this threat that has taken care of this other threat, you know, and so he's even more powerful than the Shrike situation that they had, and he's even more trouble than the Shrike situation, which now the Shrike situation maybe is solved, but he's not. And so there's other things that they could do with that. I, I don't know. I just feel like the rest of the season still has to focus on Sarge, <laughs> and therefore, especially with their interaction in this episode, that I, I don't see that Izel can't be dead either. I don't know how she's not dead, but I, I don't think she's dead either. All this is really interesting, though, because it all sets up the climax of the episode very early, relatively speaking. And so then we actually get this downtime with the team. And it gives us time to actually spend time with the team and, and have the uh, the reunions and have the, the celebration and have the um, foreboding foreshadowing for me for one of my characters that I've come to like. And I think the reason that they have let me come to like him is because he's going to be put on death watch. They kind of did this with Yo-Yo's boyfriend where you kind of got to know him a little bit so they could kill him off and make you feel bad because our team felt emotions. But this is a character that I actually really have come to like and I'm really a little bit nervous now. I've been a little bit nervous since the beginning of the season where they were talking about Davis having his family back home, how he hasn't gone back to his family in over a year and we haven't seen his family. And so, um, you know, they haven't fully committed to the whole, like we're going to show his family, make you really feel it. But we've actually gotten to know Davis and Yo-Yo's boyfriend. I can't remember the guy's name. I couldn't remember the guy's name when he was showing up in episodes, let alone now after he's been dead for a few of them. So, yeah, I feel like Davis needs to go on Death Watch. I mean, what they were doing at the end of the with the party, ugh, I, I just can't can't help feeling that one. He, he's he's on Death Watch. He has to be. They just they're doing too good too good of a job to set him up as some someone who's sympathetic, someone who has something to live for. So that's why they could take away his thing to live for. <laughs> yeah. So. Broad strokes, let's talk about all these resolutions. We have the Shrike and their demise. They were supposed to be killed by the bomb, but that would also kill our heroes. So instead, Deke, he gets his chance to heroically try to defuse it, and he completely and utterly fails. But he tries really, really hard, and I really feel bad for him. I also feel bad for him because of his uh, 
choice in relationships right now, but you know, he misses, he misses his, oh, well, he misses Marissa, uh, you know, but he's, he's got snowflake now and, ugh. Uh, so instead we get the real hero of the episode and that is Daisy. She is able to contain the A-bomb with her quake powers so that when they come into contact with the tower, the the bomb doesn't get set off. She's able to cushion it and, and keep it from going off. And that's great because that means lots of people aren't going to die, including Daisy and May and Deke and Snowflake. And then when they get holed up in the truck, she comes up with a brilliant plan. It's this wonderful plan that can only succeed if someone of her power does this. And so we now have Quake uh, coming into her own. I shouldn't say she's coming into her own. She's, she's come into her own. She is still developing, though, and she is legitimate superhero in this episode using her powers, using her training. And it was interesting because recently I watched uh, uh, an episode of season three of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And the part we're in right now with that season is where um, Ward has come back as Hive. So we have this character, he's been killed off, and he's coming back as a different character who looks the same and... I guess now that I think of it, this is not the thing I was going to bring up, the connection, but it is an interesting connection where you have um, the same kind of thing happening with uh, Coulson right now where he has his face has come back, if not his self. And that's the same thing that happened with, with Ward and Hive. And so Hive is wanting to use Cree blood to create inhumans like the experiment that created him. So... As Radcliffe is doing this, one of my kids points out, hey, that's like Captain Marvel, right? And I'm just thinking, well, yeah, right. I mean, they, they've got these people hooked up. They're getting blood from Kree. And yeah, that is very similar to the movie version of Captain Marvel's origin of where she gets her powers. And then at the end of that episode, Daisy is standing there and she's proving she's a true believer in Hive's mission and plan to change everyone to be inhumans and so she's thinking she's we're going to do this to save everybody uh obviously hive has a different reason he wants to control everyone he can control inhumans he can destroy humans and so she says use my blood because um the source of kree blood that they had gets killed and they need live blood and so she says use my blood and because she has kree blood in her veins, suddenly I'm thinking, whoa, okay, Quake has the same origin as Captain Marvel, sort of. I mean, Cree blood has been pumped into her veins, and it's not the same, same, but anyway, it's, a, it's an interesting connection between Daisy, Quake, I mean, I'm using all the different names for her. I, I haven't called her Sky this, this episode yet, so that's good, but... Uh, it's not the same, same, but it was an interesting connection that you have Cree blood being used in a hero's story, you know, and for, uh, for, for Sky, I just called her Sky, <laughs> for, for Quake, for Daisy, it was to keep her alive, but for, you know, for uh, Captain Marvel, 
it's to give her powers and 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 that sort of thing. So anyway, uh, Snowflake is very impressed with Daisy, and there's a fun little moment of girl power where uh, she asks if all females from this planet are that powerful, and and May's like, yeah, and. You know, speaking metaphorically, it is a great girl power moment. Speaking literally, no, only Quake could do what she just did, which was to create the bottleneck. She opens the door, lets all the Shrike, you know, scary uh, alien insect bat birds come in. But because she creates that bottleneck, she's able to destroy them as they come in and she destroys all of them. So literally, no, not all women on Earth are that powerful. But metaphorically, yeah, there's a powerful truth there about just untapped power and about realizing your power and, and developing your power and then using your power. Um, again, you know, watching that episode of shield, that kind of earlier episode of shield in close proximity to this one, I'm really impressed with the idea that agents of shield has been more the story of sky of Daisy of quake than anyone, even Colson who, honestly would have been my choice for who is the point person, who's the main character, so to speak of this series, but Colson died, you know? And so we have Clark Gregg and that's great. He's able to do some different things and be a different character. Um, so, you know, we're not losing Clark Gregg yet. I'm not sure what's going on in season seven, but even without Clark Gregg, you know, this series then pulls focus on Daisy and she's the character with the most growth and the most thematic relevance to the title of the series, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because she's the one who gets brought in as a newbie. She's the one who actually becomes an agent toward the beginning. She's the one who, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. has a huge part in her, you know, her origin story because of, you know, what happened with, with her family and her parents and, and, and that sort of thing. But then they become a huge part of her current life and, and her future. Uh, and so she becomes an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And here she is now using her powers, using her training, using her wit, using her intelligence and doing all that. And it all just kind of comes to a head where she destroys all the Shrike. It's a great moment. It's a great moment of development for her as a character in, and for her to, you know, for this series to be hers in a lot of ways. Um, and then thinking back to, you know, remember when everyone hated her, <laughs> remember when she was a Mary Sue and, you know, maybe that's, you know, maybe there's still some, you know, truth to the, the complaints or whatever, but in spite of all of our complaints early on, I don't say, I shouldn't say our, you know, not all of us were complaining about her early on, but there were a lot of people who were complaining about her early on. And, She's just become this great character. Uh, she's become this powerful character, and she's become this this character who is she overpowered? I don't know, but it's not just about her power. It's not just that she can turn around and use her power and stop anything. It's that she's using skill along with that, and she's you know having to think quickly to do it, and she's earning it. I think um, she's she's earning uh, the development that they're giving her as a character. I just wish that it would have been a little bit more visible and a little bit more obvious on the screen that they all died. You know, all the Shrike was, was killed. Um, yeah. So let's, moving on to Deke and Snowflake in the truck with her. Um, I'm with Daisy about Snowflake 
but I do have more respect for Deke. Uh, as his character is kind of growing, I, I feel like you've got the situation where he's been able to take advantage uh, like he does. You know, his whole thing of survival was to take advantage of, of what was at hand and use that to get the best for him that he could. And now he's in modern American culture and he's using technology and he's using future knowledge to do things. But at the same time, he's a little soft. He's not the low rent Star Lord character that we had at the beginning of his arc. He's this kind of goofy, I don't know what, but he's he's soft. He's he's lazy. And this situation, you know, you got to see him working at surviving and and being more be more like low rent Star Lord. Low rent Star Lord is not back, you know. But he might be on track to be, you know, to coming back. I just feel like in the future, Deke was a little bit more, uh, a little bit more resourceful, a little bit more heroic, a little bit more active. Uh, and and here he's he's a little more selfish, a little bit more soft, and a little bit more, for lack of a better term, contemporary American. <laughs> and so, not that being an American is a bad thing, just that. Uh, there's a lot of softness and laziness in, in current America. And as I make that statement, you know, some of that is a self indictment. So, yeah. Uh, and also may had a great moment too, when she stopped the strike before it got to Deke's mouth and save the guy. So meanwhile, the other resolution that we have is the spaceship that's coming and flying toward the, the earth and Fitz and Simmons are on the spaceship and they're realizing that things are very bad on the spaceship and that the crew is not what it should be, which is very bad. And Izel is not what she should be. And it's, it's very bad. It's, it's all, it's all very bad. And you know what else is bad? Um, the stuff that Izel is after. Um, so I think basically Izel seems to be on the agents of shields version of Thanos's quest. She, Wants the monoliths, not the gemstones, not the soul stone, all that stuff, but the the monoliths. She wants all of them. And, you know, I don't know what she wants them for, but whatever it is that she wants them for, it's going to be very, very bad. Uh, <laughs> it's shield 226 bad, which is another fun scene when they declared themselves uh, to be uh, I'm shield 226. And it was a code. It's a great idea. Um, it's a great idea to use as long as the person on the other end of the line is not also shield 226 which they were and so that set up a really fun situation fun scene there uh but meanwhile fitz and simmons through all that very very badness uh they're cute together and probably the cutest line is that you smell good <laughs> line uh i might even be the best line of their screen time in this episode and so they're running around and but then they get rescued by our team which includes jacko which that brings us to another resolution, which is Mac gets in charge again. He's he's in charge of everything. This episode, uh, is, it, it crosses. Um, there's a rising power level for Mar for Mac, and definitely a descending power level for Sarge. And so, whereas the last couple episodes we've seen Sarge's power dis uh, ascend as Max has has gotten lower and lower. 
and when I'm talking power, I don't mean just, you know, strength levels, but I mean like actual power and control over the people that are there. And now we're getting back. It's, you know, the pendulum is swinging back for, for Mac. And so he's slowly regaining control and he's staying cool and he's playing the long game and he's recognizing he has team mates that are not going to give up. And so he has all these things going for him as he's a good leader. He's a very good leader. Sarge, meanwhile, has these like leadership qualities that Coulson had, but he doesn't have the same um, morality that that Coulson had. And so slowly Mac is regaining control. Sarge is losing control. And it's all foreshadowed by Mac predicting that he'll have control by the end of the day. So uh, the, all these different elements of Sarge losing control, the cracks start to form as he shows his attitude about his team. He's willing to sacrifice them, any of them, <laughs> for the greater good. And he actually even, you know, he says nothing is going to get in his way, including his own people. And then he also lies about why he left, why he left Snowflake on the truck. I mean, this is this is not good leadership here. You know, he's driven, uh, but he's now you know they've called him out on being driven to the point of having no morality and now he's driven even to the point where his own team he's willing to leave behind and sacrifice so another place where he's losing control is that conversation with Izel, which it's interesting because it reveals stuff but it doesn't reveal stuff um and the question is who do you trust sarge is angry because he says you know you took my family away from me and then you took away the memories of my family. And she comes back with, you know, no, you, you know, Sarge is not even your name, but you don't even remember your name, do you? And she even suggests that he's the reason Kronika was destroyed. And she then also suggests that um, he's wearing someone's skin. He's what's that supposed to mean? Well, to me, basically, this conversation means one thing, and that's that Sarge is not dead at the end of this episode because there's still a lot of splaining to do. There's just a lot, as as uh, Ricky Ricardo would say, you have a lot of splaining to do. Uh, there's just so much with this character that has not been explained that yes, if the season was cut short and they had to stop things right here and end the show right here. Yeah, they did probably enough. That's a fairly satisfying ending, but we don't have a satisfying explanation about Sarge. And then we also have Mac turning the tables on Sarge because Yo-Yo is loyal. She's an agent of shield and she knows what that means. And Mac you know, exemplifies that as a leader. So she's able to help. She slips him some keys. He gets in a fight with Sarge. Mac wins the fight, but it was a hard fight to watch. Mac beating up on Coulson and or someone who looks exactly like Coulson. I mean, this is his mentor and and his friend. And uh, that's, a, that's a hard thing to watch. It was for me anyway. And then finally, Sarge loses control as his own teammates turn against him. Um, Jacko actually joins S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, and helps lead the, the, the charge on the spaceship. But they, you know, Jacko turns against him because while their motives might be pure, stop this beast that killed his family, the motives might be pure, 
but the actions are no longer pure. The ends do not justify the means, and Yo-Yo is able to turn him, which is cool. It was a, that was another great moment. I think really almost every character got a really good moment, just this character moment that actually helped resolve things. And so Yo-Yo's big character moment was was turning Jacko and, and saying, instead of just beating the guy up, she's convincing him, you know, our argument is better. We don't kill innocents to save innocents. We do whatever it takes to preserve life. Life matters. Life is worth preserving, so we're going to do that. And what would your family like? What would your family want you to do? Would your family want you to do all this stuff? And so Jacko, he's leading the charge on the spaceship with Davis and Mac and Yo-Yo. And they take down the zombies and they rescue Fitzsimmons. And he is a true believer now. Um, he uh, He's a true believer so much so that he sacrifices himself. He another great scene this is his really the the end of his uh, arc i would <laughs> i don't think sarge is dead i'm not sure about izel jacko's dead and he has this great awesome moment where he takes the bomb that that sky had and again you know we're taking all these things you know here's Chekhov's a bomb it didn't go off and it wasn't just a a thing that got in the way of our heroes and you know a threat for the heroes to you know face death uh, it actually becomes Chekhov's bomb where he takes it onto the spaceship and destroys the spaceship. We s- seems to destroy Izel, but he also has that last scene with him where I don't know how effective this is. I mean, he's got the bomb anyway. I mean, is he activating the bomb doing this? But it looks so cool where he, he steps in and his his nose is smoking. He's got smoke coming out in his breath, and you know what this means. And he just lets loose, and it was cool. So he's there sacrificing himself to destroy the beast that killed his family with his fire breath. Unfortunately, it, I don't think Izel is dead, and so – part of me hopes she is because then this means a little bit more, but he does stop, you know, zombie zombie people on the spaceship. So anyway, um, back to what causes this to feel like a season ender (laughs) is all the reunions then. And then the celebration at the end, um, Oh man, when Mac sees Fitz and just, yells turbo and hugs him and um and it just made me think you know fitz does have a superhero name he doesn't have powers yet but he does have a superhero name and he has a team name so to speak with you know fitzsimmons which you know hey they've got a show called wandavision why not have a a show called fitzsimmons but um he he's got a superhero name he has a team name uh but turbo whenever he mac is all about pop culture references and whenever he calls Fitz turbo I'm just reminded of the name of a red sports car gobot that I had as a kid I think it's named turbo I'm pretty sure it was named turbo and yeah but yeah it was a gobot and I don't care what you say gobots might have been low rent transformers but they were cool low rent transformers and I will defend that opinion to my dying day um, if I had to but I won't have to because P 
people who would disagree with me, even they don't feel like GoBots are worth arguing about because <laughs> no one cares about GoBots enough to argue about them, <laughs> whether they love them or hate them. They just don't care. So anyway, it's a great reunion. May, super happy to see Fitz alive. And she shows it by smiling a little bit. Uh, Deke and Fitz have a fun reunion. And uh, it's fun considering that Fitz never knew Deke. And Deke only knew Fitz as a person who barely put up with him. But um, hey, Grandpa's back. You know, that's this is great. Uh, Piper and Davis, they weren't apart long, but we spend so much time with them in this party. And this is where I have to think Davis is on death watch. I actually thought Davis was dead in this episode. When he falls asleep on that couch, I thought he was dead. I thought it was going to be this dark turn where something crazy was going to happen. And I don't know, you know, I don't know, but something crazy is going to happen. Maybe he was a possessed demon creature or something and he's got a shrike in him or I, I don't know what it would be, but I thought he was dead when she's sitting next to him and he's sleeping and she's taking selfies and I'm just like waiting for her. She's like taking the selfies, putting you know hats on him and stuff. And I'm expecting her to turn to him and realize, oh, he's dead. And, and then after she realizes he's dead, I don't know, he's going to jump up and just start killing everyone. And I don't know. I don't want to put him on death watch, but I feel like. He has to be on Death Watch. <laughs> so, yeah. We will see. Uh, the other thing is it was nice seeing Mac and Yo-Yo back together. I mean, that was one of those where, yeah, this is this is a thing that is meant to be. The writers did a great job of doing it and making it meant to be. And so we didn't even get to see them break up. You know, we just jumped into the new normal at the beginning of the season, but we do get to see them make up. So that was nice. So uh, I've got one piece of feedback that I'm going to read here and address a couple things. Um, and then I'm going to, uh, yeah, get into our uh, post credit, which is going to be me talking about. Uh, the Swamp Thing TV series. I'm not going to be talking about Swamp Thing as a character too much. I'm not going to be talking about. Uh, hopefully what I'm going to talk about is going to be more about just how they structured the season and what they did when they realized that they were supposed to get 13 episodes. And as they were filming episode 10, they were told that they were canceled. So I'm going to talk about a little bit about what they did there and how well did it work. And uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be a little bit relevant to your interest. So I've got an email from Agent Waz, and the subject line is schedule, question mark. And he writes in to say, hey, agents, hope you are doing well. This is Agent Waz. Just curious about the future of the show. What's the schedule look like? Where is Cloak and Dagger, episode 10? Will you finish the Marvel Netflix shows now that they are not MCU? And I say they are not MCU because of the casting of the new Blade. So if I'm correct, how do you all feel about that? And would you like to see future MCU movies for Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist? Thanks for the great show and looking forward to all your future episodes. Love others beyond words, Agent Waz. And so a um, couple different questions there. One, <laughs> one question is what's the schedule look like? And this is what the schedule looks like right now. It's just we are creating episodes and putting them out as they are created. And uh, so that's that's what the schedule looks like. Basically, though, I think another element of that schedule question is where is Cloak and Dagger episode 10? And so 
getting into more specifics about the schedule, we are going to finish this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The episode after that is going to be one of two things. It's either going to be Cloak and Dagger episode 10, which, spoilers, fantastic, or it's going to be the future of the MCU kind of analysis of the future of the MCU based on things that they've said about the Hulu horror series, which are no longer going to be called Spirits of Vengeance. It's going They're using the umbrella of Adventure into Fear, which I think is kind of a stupid name on one hand because it just kind of sounds silly, Adventure into Fear. But on the other hand, I might be getting a Man-Thing TV series out of that because, I mean, in the 70s they had – well, okay. So Adventure into Fear is a comic book that started out as just being called Fear and it was an anthology book of horror stories. And then they switched it over to be a regular series of – Man-Thing. So it was Adventures into Fear featuring Man-Thing. And then um, Man-Thing got his own title where it was just self-titled. And uh, Adventure into Fear became Adventure into Fear featuring Morbius the Living Vampire. And so um, calling this uh, series that where it will have um, uh, it'll have Hellstorm and Ghost Rider and a couple other live action things. And it's actually Ghost Rider from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so there is that MCU connection there. So this is definitely an MCU uh, series that will be on Hulu. But the fact that they call it Adventure into Fear makes me wonder. Um, after what happened with Swamp Thing on D DC Universe, it makes me a little bit nervous. But anyway, uh, after we do – so we're going to finish Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're going to do the last episode of Cloak and Dagger, and we're going to do a Future of the MCU episode, and then we're going to get back into the Netflix series. And so that is our plan. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7 starts next summer. And in between there, of course, we have D Disney Plus popping up in November, but that's not going to drop all the different series all at the same time. I believe that that's just going to drop with um, – it may not even drop with uh, – uh, Falcon and uh, Winter Soldier. It's sounding more and more like um, that won't be happening until next year. So Disney Plus, though, will happen in November, and we'll be covering some stuff with Disney Plus. And uh, yeah, what else is there? Oh, of course, there's there's a couple movies coming up and and stuff like that. So yeah, we'll we'll just keep plugging away and having fun doing it. Uh, then. Yeah, so I already answered a little bit of this question, but um, I do want to address what this question means. It says, will you finish the Marvel Netflix shows now that they are not MCU? And that's interesting because I've seen around on the internet a little bit about how the Marvel Netflix shows are suddenly not MCU because Mahershala Ali – I'm saying his name wrong because I've only read it. I haven't heard it um, – who played Cottonmouth on Luke Cage is now – been cast as Blade for an MCU movie. And I, I think it's a little bit I, – I'll just say I, I think it's a little bit silly to say that. Um, we've already had a Luke Cage character show up in an MCU movie uh, in, um, in Civil War. So no, no. I don't think it means a thing. 
Uh, I, I don't think that it's not MCU. I think that the Netflix series are just as MCU as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. anyway, which, you know, we can debate that. And actually, there's probably a more lively debate about if uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is actually part of the proper MCU uh, compared to Netflix, uh, the Netflix series. So, yeah, uh, I just I don't feel like that's that's an issue uh, as for. MCU movies for Daredevil and and them, I think it'd be great, but I don't think they will do it because, like I said, they've they've got they've already got this this corner of the MCU locked up, and it's not going anywhere either. That's the other thing is, even though it's been canceled on Netflix, they are going to stay on Netflix. They're not going to move over to Disney Plus. Uh, Netflix helped produce those series, and so they're gonna they're gonna stay, and I think they're not going to go away. So I know I've, I've seen those those articles as well. Uh, you know, like a Reddit threads and stuff like that about, okay, now they're not uh, MCU because we have the same actor playing a different character. But I would, I would say it's not really an, an issue. Um, one interesting thing over on the CW that they've done is Brandon Routh plays the Adam Ray Palmer on, um, on, uh, oh, I can't remember <laughs> legends of tomorrow. That's the, the series name that I'm looking for. Um, but he is the actor who played Superman in Superman returns. Uh, Superman Returns in in Superman. Yeah, Superman Returns. And he is actually in an upcoming uh, crossover, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths. So it's going to have like a multiverse theme going through the whole thing. They're bringing back a ton of people. So Burt Bert, uh, Ward is actually going to be in the, that. I don't know if he's going to play like an old Robin or whatever, but and then Kevin Conroy, who is best known probably for his whole career, the thing he's best known for is uh, the voice of Batman on the Batman animated series. He's going to play an old Batman and Brandon Routh is going to play Superman and the Atom both in this crisis on infinite earths. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't think that, you know, having the same actor play the same character. It's just, they they're just, as far as MCU is concerned, they just look a lot alike <laughs> and, and that's good enough for me. So, yeah. So thank you for writing in agent was, we appreciate it. And I do thank you that you are looking forward to episodes and hopefully, um, you're enjoying the episodes as we put them out now. So there's, there's our feedback and that means we are coming to the end of this episode. And so all I have to say is Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much to our Patreon patrons for patronizing us. <laughs> That's probably not right, but um, but thank you for uh, for being our patrons and thank you for supporting us in that way. And thank you, everyone, who leaves comments on Facebook. And thank you, everyone, who is um, sending in feedback and everything like that. And sorry that we haven't gotten to all of it. It has been just with scheduling and stuff. It has been a mess. Uh, and so we're, we're getting back on top of things though, but I do have something to say to those of you who have stuck with us, a toast to those of you who've served since the very beginning. And to those whose journeys have just begun to the agents we've lost in the line of duty, as well as those who have somehow returned and to those who stand by us at our best and at our worst, because without every single one of you, there is no shield.
Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. All right, let's talk about Swamp Thing a little bit. This is really an interesting case study in television production, and that's part of why I really am interested in it. I mean, I probably wouldn't have been as turned on to it if I hadn't been about Swamp Thing. But, um, yeah, they uh, part of the DC Universe streaming service. They canceled it when they were 10 episodes in in production, and they were going to have 13 episodes, and so they had to scramble and rewrite the ending of the series, take some elements that they had already planned, take elements they had already filmed, refilm some stuff for earlier episodes, and what they ended up with was a mess of a final episode. And it's, it's, the final episode was called Loose Ends, and what they did is they went around and just resolved every single loose end, but none of them resolved in relation to each other. And so most of the resolutions that happened had nothing to do with Swamp Thing himself. And I'm just watching this, and I'm just thinking, okay. I got 10 episodes of Swamp Thing. It ends like this. And it actually the loose ends that they wrap up resolving Swamp Thing's character is actually really nice and really sweet. I really wish they had just focused in maybe on that and maybe in episode nine had done some of this other stuff. But um, yeah, so it's a solidly okay series, as I've said before. But now that I've finally seen the ending of it, uh, I might watch it again because I'm a fan of the character. But... This is one of those where they had an admirable opportunity to shut down the show, end it, uh, but they just were – they were tied up and their hands were tied and how they – what they had available to them as far as budget and things like that. And yeah, it was a really interesting thing though and if you get a chance to watch it, I would say watch it with an eye toward what they were setting up at the beginning and then how they resolve it at the end because they do resolve almost every single loose end. The only bad thing is they did a post credit that ends kind of on a cliffhanger and that teases where they were going, which is the one thing I was looking forward to is what they were teasing toward going toward and they didn't get a chance to do that. So, all right. Well, that's enough of me rambling about Swamp Thing. If you want to get more of my thoughts on the Swamp Thing TV show, you can go to Comic Book Time Machine. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have an episode there where I'm going to talk about just, you know, details and stuff. Um, and just about the Swamp Thing character for the time being. And then I'm going to shift away from Swamp Thing, I think, for a while over there. And maybe even do some stuff about Man Thing as we're, you know, talking about Adventure into Fear. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys. Godspeed. <laughs>